The Larry Sanders Show premiered on HBO on August 15th, 1992. Let's put 28 minutes on the clock. Pilot study with Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode that means the first show. In case you didn't know. When you never know a show they're gonna talk about. But they're only gonna talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study episode number 22. My name is Chris Lantina and I am your host. And I am joined, as always, by the one, the only, Grimes. Welcome, Grimes. Hello, sir. I am here to represent America and everything she stands for. What (laughs) what happened in our two-week break? Did you all of a sudden become a patriot? I am a Trump patriot. Oh, no. (laughs) No. That's what happens when you leave me for two weeks, dude. I look at other stuff on the internet. You you know, you you found out that Trump was hailing the dead corpse of Joe Paterno. And you were like, he's my man. I want him to lead the free world. You know, he he wanted the Pennsylvania vote, and all you got to do is mention Paterno, and we're all like, yep, we're with you, dude. What did he actually say? Because I remember I sent you something on Twitter about the Paterno comment, but like it was just the way he phrased it right that made it seem like he was alive. Yes, I think he was referencing the Joe Paterno statue that was taken uh, down, and he was saying, we're going to bring that back. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So he's, um, he's not going to bring so... him back like through voodoo? Or any sort no. of uh, zombie magic. He is not going to summon his Illuminati minions to <laughs> resurrect Jopa. Jopa is not but... going not gonna to be a guest star on the season premiere of the new Walking Dead. So we can just forget or, about or the, that. Or the or, um, season one, season one of the Apprentice presidential version. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. A uh, quick side note: Does Arnold is Arnold now hosting the Apprentice? Is that what happened? That's what happened, yeah. Oh, my God. What kind of world do we live in? All right, so today we are doing the Larry Sanders Show. Obviously, this is primarily because Gary Shandling passed away. I believe it was at the age of 66 in late March. So, of course, we want yeah. we want to pay our respects to a comedy god. And uh, so we have to do his most... We have to do his well-known show. Uh, he did have another show. I think I believe it was called It's the Gary Shandling Show. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that was on I'm trying to remember my notes. That was on Showtime. And that was like a let me, let me scroll down to him really quick cuz I want to make sure I didn't mess mess any of this up. Uh, it's Gary Shandling's show is what it's called. It ran 72 episodes, so four seasons, and it was on Showtime and it was later picked up by Fox from 90 or from 88 to 90 as part of their Sunday night lineup. It was a 30-minute show. Um, He was, this is how they describe him, he is a stand-up comedian who just happens to be aware that he is a TV sitcom character, so he would talk to the audience, um, interact with the studio audience, and also do like these opening monologues and summations of the episode's event. That's straight from the Wikipedia. So it sounds like a kind of an interesting show. Very weird sounding, I guess. Yeah, it does. It's kind of like a more um, surreal Louis, I guess, which is interesting because that show is very surreal on its own. But anyways, um, this was his follow-up. 
And I'm going to let you take over Grimes here because you had mentioned that you got a little history on Shanling because we kind of want to do a little history of him as well because I think it all leads to this point and to this pilot. So you said something about a car accident. I want to know more about this because I don't really know much about his history. All right. Well, I didn't either. And unfortunately, like many awesome wizards and geniuses, they aren't quite as appreciated in their time as they should be and i can say that i slept on gary shandling and when i heard that he died i had just listened to that wtf with or no that the uh, you made it weird episode and then you know a few weeks later he died and i was like damn like you just i don't know not that that means anything it just was a reminder that i sh- should have been checking this dude out years ago right so anyway he was just a regular guy he went to university of arizona for marketing because he's a the baller all ballers go to school for that and then become comedians um so he was bored he got into this car accident in 1977 he was like almost dead in the hospital for two weeks and he was like all right it's time to do something different with life he gets into comedy he's he was like sick of the formulaic nature of how things were goes to the comedy store in 1978 he crossed the picket line because there was a writer's strike at that time so that gave him plenty of stage time Mm. and within like so he's 78 he starts on 1981 he gets on the tonight show with johnny carson and kills it and between 81 and like 90 he guest hosts seven times so he was obviously familiar with that world which would then foreshadow kind of like his show about being a talk show host obviously Mm -hmm. now um one thing I wanted to bring up was where are the guest hosts nowadays? Like when, like when Fallon goes off the air, they just play reruns. I like the guest hosts. I think that's cool. I like the guest hosts, especially in the summer. I think it's fun. It gives people a reason to watch TV when there's nothing new happening, like in prime time. Right. You know what I really liked was when Ferguson had went off the air. CBS filled his space until yes. Cor- until Corden arrived with like six or seven guest hosts. Like, I mean, these are not the ones that. Or should be the headliners, but like Drew Carey did it for a while. Um, well, Judd Apatow did it, which was awesome. And he, you know, brought yeah. on Sandler and Dunham and, you know, all these people he knows, obviously. And Apatow would be later involved in this show. And um, the one I really remember was Adam Pally uh, did an episode with Ben Schwartz as his like co host. Oh, okay. And they did it in like this silent studio. And I'll have to send you the link, but it's like super bizarre. And it got this really good <laughs> response from like, the hipster critics like everybody like oh. everybody who's like hip loved it because it was very it's like the av club and pitchfork and yeah shit. it was very strange Same people that like us <laughs> oh yeah we're always on the uh the pod mass <laughs> roundup um <laughs> okay so i had a little bit more about the late night stuff because you had asked if i had any any info on that and so this is what happened he actually was offered a late night talk show following letterman at cbs and um, he told Marin on WTF that he was offered it before Conan O'Brien. So uh, Shandling had to turn it down for Conan O'Brien to get that slot. Quick correction here. I don't think I explained that very well. So this is what happened. Letterman left the 1230 slot on NBC for a show on CBS. So I misspoke there. So Gary Shandling was offered Dave Letterman's old late night show on NBC. He turned it down. Conan ended up getting it. The rest is history. Let's get back to the show. And so he basically, I believe in an interview, he said he had two choices, to do a late night show 
or to do a show about late night. So obviously he chose the latter, and HBO ordered this show without even seeing a pilot. They just ordered it straight up, probably because they knew he was a rare talent, which he was. Yeah, and that's the thing that I learned about him in, in researching this is that like he came, he was writing some sitcom scripts, um, like Sanford and Son, Welcome Back, Cotter, and um, a few more that like didn't necessarily go, but just like he, within three years, he went from not being in comedy to being on the Tonight Show. Three years. Most people, like if you listen to WTF a lot or you made it weird or any comedy podcast, they talk about like you're looking at five to ten years of being an absolute nobody loser, <laughs> like broke, before you might even get like a TV show side gig, you know. And now the Tonight, and this guy, and like, now the Tonight Show doesn't mean shit. So. Right, exactly. It's weird. You can be like a, a Vine star in you know a year, but you can't like if you got on the Tonight Show, it doesn't do anything for your career. Nothing. If anything, it just makes you it dates you, it makes you look old because these yeah. things are like I wanted to ask you since you're younger than me and thus a millennial. <laughs> um, well, the uh, basically like with dudes my age and younger it seems oh dudes i guess people in general but Adults. these shows like tend to be pretty dude central since they're all hosted by white dudes right the talk show format to me once you figure out like once you're a teenager and you're like oh they're just here to plug a book or a show they don't really care these people aren't friends they're not having like a real conversation right I mean, then it becomes pretty irrelevant. You watch, you know, when you like the musical guests, maybe, or if your favorite, whoever is doing whatever, but it's basically over, right? I mean, after this, like, Fallon shit fizzles out with his little viral videos and Neil Young impressions of shit, like, <laughs> people are sick of it, right? I mean, nobody, no 15-year-old is stoked to, like, stay up and watch Colbert. It's, de- like, I think that era, weirdly enough, died with the Conan late-night show. Like, because at that time, Conan was still the hip host. He was doing the masturbating bear and, you know, in the year 2000. And, like, people like me, we were staying up just to watch. I was I would stay up just to watch Conan. And just because he was so weird and he had, like, the Texas or Walker, Texas Ranger, which we need to do a pilot, pilot study on that, um, like the clip machine and all these weird things he did and the, the, the horny manatee, like, stretch of weeks. And uh, apparently a lot of his sketches were about being horny or jerking off yeah (laughs) repressed much conan jesus (laughs) but anyways like he felt edgy but i don't really feel like anybody i know you're gonna hate me for this but i think the best late night host right now is i'll just let you guess who i'm gonna say i'm gonna let you say oh man it's seth myers man he's the best one you really think so i think because he he sits down at the desk now he basically does weekend update and he does more extended conversations with the guests he does like 10 minutes that's what people want that's what people want people want and I know we had talked about this when they were picking somebody to uh do the letterman spot and the after letterman spot and the after fallon spot we had talked why don't they just bring a podcaster in and do exactly. an hour-long talk show every day like with one guest you come in you dive deep into the life you give that spot to Marin. He hopefully doesn't screw up and have a freak out on air. and <laughs> Or hopefully he does. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And you, I don't know, you start a new trend. Like podcast, people listen to podcasts more so than they 
care about late night shows. So adapt that format. Like, but the thing about network TV, especially now because of the internet killing all their bullshit, is that TV is risk free. Like they want no edge, no controversy. They want somebody that like Cadillac will advertise during. You know what I mean? They don't really yeah. think about it like what the audience wants. Like a podcaster only has an audience because they want the host. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And and another part of that is like the people in the Midwest or that's like the stereotype, right? People mm-hmm. in the Midwest are the ones that still watch but television. True. And yeah, it, it probably is true. And the people that would benefit from a switch to like a Marin or like a more loose format, Pete Holmes, you know, something like that, they don't watch TV anyways. And if you put that on, guess what? Even if you put on like my favorite person as the host, I'll, I'll still catch it on Hulu the next day. I'm not going to buy yep, cable same. to watch that. So why appease us, the pickiest fucking right. TV watchers of all time? <laughs> <laughs> like we, they could please us. But we're not going to support them back. So what's the point? I don't. Yeah, I don't think their target audiences are dudes inclined to do a podcast about television pilots. <laughs> like no, they don't give a fuck. The, these about are us. people that watch TV to escape, not right. to like you know navigate <laughs> through life. So I guess we should uh, get into this Larry Sanders. Uh, yeah, let's get it. Let's dig pilot. into this piece. So anyway, going going through his history just to wrap it up. You know, I would recommend listening to those Holmes and Marin. Uh, the comedians in cars anything with him mm-hmm. in the past couple years he just like yeah he's real spiritual and he seemed in a good place so anyway yeah he was very, very spiritual um and uh i haven't seen the comedians in cars so i'll have to check that out as well okay so even before the credits hit and this will count as our title talk it's you know white on black just kind of um the the voice of hank kingsley played by jeffrey tambor in a very famous role which I don't believe he won any Emmys for somehow, but he he kills it every season. And uh, especially the last one, he has an epic finale. or (laughs) I think it's the episode before the finale, but people will know the episode I'm talking about if they've seen the show. But you just hear his voice kind of warming up the crowd. And if you've ever been to a late night show, that is kind of like a critical portion is warming up the crowd. And they'll hire professional comedians to do that. So Hank is warming up the crowd. You get the... And what you get is a murderer's row of comedians right away. Some that don't even appear on this episode. You have Shanling, Tambor, uh, Janine Garofalo, who shows up for a second. Um, Jeremy Piven, who doesn't show up at all. Uh, Rip Torn, who, of course, mm-hmm. is um, Artie. The man. Yeah, he's amazing. I think I killed a man like that in Korea once. <laughs> so <it's laughs> just keep saying it. <laughs> No, it's a real concern. Um, and it's directed by a guy named Ken Quapis, who was a big office uh, big office guy. Yeah. He directed the finale of The Office, and he directed some of my favorite season two episodes, which is by far the, the best season of that show. And I had a couple more things. He did Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, he did a, he did a couple bad movies, but he was a good TV guy. Um, and he did 12 episodes of this show. Um, and one last thing, this episode's called What Have You Done For Me Lately? And uh, I just wanted to get that out there. And it was also not the first one they filmed. The first one they filmed actually ended up being the finale. And they just felt like this one was more suited to be a pilot because of the character interactions that it set up. So that's why like a guy like Jeremy Piven can be in the credits, but not in the episode, because it was just like a middle-of-the-season episode. So if he's not there, you know, he'll be there next week. So, oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, it is kind of weird that he's not there, but uh, 
I can't I, I can't believe you haven't seen this show. It's uh, you love everybody that guests on it. Duchovny, man, he has an epic arc on this show. <laughs> Just amazing. Well, I was very happy because I have always loved and will always love Janine Garofalo. Like oh, amazing, she was yeah. She was one of my first dream women, like as a kid. <laughs> I just have always loved her, man. And so that kind of brings us to the first. So, I mean, what did you think about the very beginning, the intro, and how they set it up more so <laughs> as a, a straight monologue than anything else? I mean, what did that help? What did that help you with? I mean, how did it set the table for you? Well, one just little tidbit that I did catch in the beginning is when Tambor, as the announcer, is saying who's going to be like the guests on that night's show, and it's mm-hmm. Harrison Ford and Jody Watley. I just thought that was cool that they <laughs> threw that. Yeah. Um, but I like this because, yeah, they, they get into the monologue, so you, you, it's all, you know, black screen credits, boom, he's talking there in that very 1992 outfit. They nailed it. Yep. Obviously, Our- they nailed it because the, it was it. It's not like they're making it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Anyway, I like it because that's showing you that this is him. Because everybody that's watching it knows it's a show about a show, right? You're not like, most people weren't like shocked by that, I don't think. Right. But you're seeing him at work. And then when you do see him at home, it makes it more real because you see that he has to kind of put on this character for his talk show. And um, then he's just like a guy like anybody else at home when he's dealing with, you know dog and wife and real life his dog you know <laughs> me from drew carey coming over to train his dog not to jump and shit <laughs> uh well it's, so it's it's a full, I like the monologue it's a full monologue which they do actually a surprising amount in this series they do a full monologue and there's only shortcuts um but it's very important how long they stay on the monologue because like you said that's what they would really see on tv and like i feel like a show nowadays it would be jumping to people in the booth it would be spending a lot of time backstage and maybe just have like the monologue audio playing over while they kind of introduced all the characters. But the experience is authentic because they show the monologue. And I think it's important that it makes the comedy and the workplace dynamic feel that much more authentic right away. Yes. And that's where they derive much of the comedy from. So that, I mean, that's what's important to me at the beginning. Yeah. And I love how as soon as he walks off stage, you know, they have him walking back the hallway and people are coming at him. Right. Stuff like that seems more, um, I don't know, real and authentic as well, because you can see that he turns off talk show guy right away. Yeah, immediately. (laughs) Right. And he could have done that, you know, not every actor, well, comedian slash actor could pull that off but obviously he could have pulled it off in real life so it was some a skill that he had for real it's important that he's guest hosted because you know that that's where he comes from and you know that whatever experiences they're depicting had to have happened like he's just not just pulling this shit out of midair like these things happen to him and that's cool and uh he said in an, an entertainment weekly interview i thought i could make the talk show look very real so the audience would buy that part and then slowly suck them into the realities of life once Larry goes behind the curtain. We were digging into the human condition and reflecting that. Sure, it's probably more entertaining when it's a talk show host, but we actually could have done the show in any setting where human beings exist. So he, he needed that to be real so that he could, so the human condition that they depicted could be real. Uh, what were some of the, did you notice any of his tics right away? Because they kind of set up some of those. 
Like some of the ticks th- as far as some of like the things that like character traits. What what did you notice and like what kind of character do you think they were trying to build with him? Well, he's definitely sarcastic. I mean, to say the least. Whatever the most amplified version of sarcastic is in life, it's right. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost to the point of ironic, but not quite. You know, it's like not crossing the line of being annoying or bad. Right. And I just, I don't know. I guess I didn't look for ticks per se. You just get the sense that he's highly agitated. He'd maybe rather <laughs> be doing something else. <laughs> well, he's like, a nar- he's a narcissist, and that's that's in there a little bit. Like he's so even when he's showing his girlfriend or wife that commercial, he's like checking to make sure she's watching. You know, right? Yeah, he like definitely wants people to know he's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a leader. You know, he he wants Hank to know he's the leader mm-hmm. uh, of the show and and Artie as well. But then he kind of deflects. He's I don't know. It's an interesting character. Having only seen the pilot, I I'm intrigued, but I didn't really pick up on too much. Well, Artie's like his bulldog. You know, he is the one that takes the bullets for him. And even at the very end when, like, he's, like, so eager to please, like, the executive that after Artie shoes him away, he, like, runs back out there and says, like, uh, we might be able to do more commercials. <laughs> like, it's, you know, he's very, very eager to please, like, certain people, and then he's completely <laughs> cold to others. I did have a side note. Um, like, that fir- that very first, right when, right, right when you're talking about how he leaves and he com- becomes a completely different person... I love mm-hmm. I love workplace comedies because they have this innate advantage over like family or home set comedies. The introductions can happen in the flow of action and you know exactly what role everybody is because they have to they're at work. Like that's their action. And like in a family comedy for example, you kind of have to push the issue a little bit to to kind of depict what people are like Dan and Roseanne, which is an episode we did before. He had to be so broadly dumb, and he had to mention that he was bidding on a job a couple times for you to get that. Oh, he's the dumb construction guy. We get it. Yeah, <laughs> but here, suburban oaf. Right, right. So, so in those cases, a lot of the times, exposition creates characteristics, not action. And I prefer action because then we see like Bethany, for example. She has one scene, right, and. She's a busy professional woman that cues us in our personality because she's willing to like really quickly lie to Larry about watching the episode. And then when, yeah, yeah. when, yeah, when he catches her, she keeps up with his wit. That's all I need from her. Like she is powerful enough to brush off her boss. So it's not just her boss, but she can like go at him as much right. as she, as he can go at her. And that, that's all I need from her. Like I, I look forward to her next appearance just off that. Right, right. Yeah, I know what you're saying. That makes sense. Yeah, you don't have to beat it down like people's throats that, you know, this is the funny sidekick. Here's his catchphrase. I mean, he does have a catchphrase, I guess. I know. You know what I mean? Um, Have you seen... Yeah, that makes sense. So this episode in particular is about the network forcing Larry to do live commercials on the show because they're not making enough revenue. Have you seen live commercials on late night shows? Because I wrote down one, but I'm curious no. as to if you've picked up picked any up. No, I haven't. I was trying to imagine Letterman doing this, but um, <laughs> well, I think I think I, an easy example is like cooking stuff. 
Yeah, true. Yeah, when they bring somebody. But Fallon will do live demonstrations of video games. And he'll, like, give... I, I remember one was, like, what was the PlayStation or the... Oh, no, the Xbox Connect. Remember the Connect where you, like, move oh, and shit? Oh, yeah, that stupid movement bar thing. Yeah, well, they brought it in, and they did a demonstration, and then they gave everybody in the audience one. So, that like, that's the form of advertisement that you get on these shows. It's like, and the all the audience is going home yeah. with one. Like, that kind of shit. You get a jet. You get a jet. <laughs> you get a fur. Wait, is that is that a Life of Pablo reference? Yeah, yes it is. Um I, what what else what else stuck out to you? What are some other notes you had? Well, the network meeting, um everybody hears about that infamous thing if you're into this meta behind the scenes um stuff and in the comedy world or television, you always hear about network notes and demonic executives and <laughs> we get one in this episode that punches Larry in the face. Yes, we um, do. After he says that everybody knows you're sleeping with somebody, like he makes fun of her uh, sex habits, and yeah. she, she clocks him. I like how in the network meeting they talk about the threats um, of video cassette and cable. <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah. shows you what 1992 was all about. Yep. Larry had a lot of tapes, and if you go further in the series, you'll know that he has tapes of every episode. So that was a very big thing at that point. Everybody was taping shit off their VCR. Were you doing that as a kid? Were you like all oh, about yeah. taping stuff? What, what what are some of the things you remember taping? The last thing I remember taping was in 2001. Okay. And it was an Oasis behind the music off oh. VH1. Oh, I like it. Uh, I, I, used I to, needed that info. I used to do a show on MTV called uh, Live at the Hard Rock, I think it was called. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, it was um, like at Universal Studios in Orlando, and they would do concerts there. Like I remember Reliant K and like... All-American Rejects definitely oh, did one. Oh, they were definitely on there. Hot, Hot Heat <laughs> yeah. I had recorded. Um, I, I just had a few of those recorded. My Chemical Romance, you know, bands like that that were big at that So point. you were taping shit into the real era. You had, like, internet oh, and yeah. VHS going. Well, we had dial-up internet, so I don't think it was uh, actually yes. internet, but, yeah, uh, I was definitely doing that. All right, let's uh, – I mean, there's a whole bunch of great stuff to get into, like so many good lines. It, the line is actually, I swear I killed that woman in Korea – about melanie parish who's like the villain and then he comes back later and he says let's see i think he says like (laughs) he says something like no it's a real concern and then he then he yells it at her he like does it three times (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's a nice little running joke yeah it's a nice little running joke uh his guest for the show for the show that we watch is robert hayes from air he says he's from airplane too but he's from both of them uh, i i think i think he's from both of them yeah and i can't remember who the second one is but it's always fun that show is great because it's like tailor made for guest stars and yeah. so there's all kinds of like really fun people and um really fun people that get to come on the show duchovny being one of them which is a, a really great continuing thing and actually david spade comes on really really early and he uh he has some good moments as well Speaking so. of Duchovny, um, on a side side note, Gary Shandling was in a bunch of interesting and weird stuff, and one of the yep. things he was in was an episode of X Files. Oh yeah, and he played 
Agent Fox Mulder. I remember the episode. He was, it was like Agent Mulder and Scully were getting a movie made about them. And Gary Shandling was playing. Uh-huh, and he was playing. Him. He was playing Fox Mulder, and uh, <laughs> Duchovny's wife at the time, Tia, uh, Taya Leone, was playing Agent Scully. So it was like those two were like the romantic couple. So Shandling was like making out with Leone, and Duchovny and um, Anderson were there as well. It was it's a very weird episode, but yeah, he played him. They were like good friends. They would they would Sounds weird. They would play basketball together. Shandling had these legendary basketball games. Yeah, yeah. He would invite all these like industry people over and it was kinda like an honor to be at like a Gary Shandling basketball game. And Duchovny can ball. Like he played um uh I don't want to say Harvard. I think I think he might have been a backup point guard or something at Harvard. And Damn. yeah, and he played behind like a guy that would end up coaching the Cavaliers and somebody else. But Duchovny would go to those MTV like basketball celebrity basketball games. And yeah, just, rock and jock. Yeah, and he would be really good at them. He he was like kind of like the best basketball player that would play those. Huh. Yeah, he was he was a good he was a good player. And and like in every ten episodes of the X Files, they'd find an excuse to show him sinking a few baskets. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do we got here? Uh, what about Hank Kingsley? I mean, that was your introduction to him. He's a very famous character. What did you think about his pilot? His pilot role. I loved him. I mean, he's <laughs> the first. I believe he's the first voice you hear ever yeah. on the show. He's like yeah. warming up the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes the applesauce joke about the applause sign. Makes yeah, he makes that a lot. Yeah, I and did, then um, do remember that. I love that he came in to talk to Larry because he was pissed that he didn't get the commercial because he's <laughs> kind of like the commercial guy. And and you feel bad for sidekicks and shit. Like, I always feel so bad for Andy Richter because when Conan was off doing his own different shit or, you know, during breaks and whatnot, Richter would always be in movies and on other shows and he had his own show and it flopped and... Mm-hmm. You know they really hate, they must hate the real guy, right? Like, you can't think that Richter doesn't every day at least once think, like, man, fuck Conan. (laughs) I want to be that dude, you know? Because you're one dude away from the huge, you know, those talk show hosts are like, you know, they have the job typically a long time. They're very famous and known. Yeah, but I don't know. The dude behind the dude would be, all you got to do is have, like, three or four really good lines an episode, and you can just kind of drop them in. Like, if you're good at it, you can just kind of drop two or three lines in. And I don't know. You don't have to do anything else. You just sit and laugh. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do on this, man. <laughs> but, I'm the Conan. But, yeah, like, I just, I don't know. So you, you right away can sympathize with um, Tambor's character of Hank because he's just, he's like a, I'm going to say a sad uh, oh shit, Ed McMahon. <laughs> He's like an Ed McMahon who's just totally turning it on because he just wants money and he, he seems to want like, I don't know, maybe I'm reading the character wrong, but just from viewing the pilot, I got the sense that he was like, look, you're the guy, I get all the other shit. Like commercials, that's me. You get to yeah. be well, he's Larry so, Sanders. He's so comfortable being the pitch man that they recommend him to do the, the in-episode yeah. commercial and then he comes over and kills it. Because like that's what he does. The garden weasel, of course, is the product. That's jam. And um, what's his face? Larry. Or Larry can't do it. He tries to do it like twice, and he just ends up making fun of him and talking about how Jimmy Hoffa is buried in the dirt. 
and like right. he makes all these jokes. All and... these. I love when I think it's the second time um, where he doesn't read the copy as written, and he goes back goes backstage afterwards, and Melanie Parrish is there to scream at him, and before he says anything else, he goes, "Where's Arthur?" <laughs> He's yeah. such a coward. And then he finally like leads her back into the office and he finally grows a spine and like yells at her, but he can't do it right away. Like it's only when he absolutely has to he stands up for himself. Which is kind of a good setup for him, I think. Yeah, and I mean it definitely piques my interest as we get down to you know, I think we Time wise, we're a little bit over, but you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we're way over, unfortunately. So, um, I did have a few other notes. If you'll, if you'll, uh, oh, I'll indulge, sir, please. Okay, so I love the arty line. My boy doesn't want to do any more commercials. Just calling him my boy is like a real pow- yeah. is like a real power move to me. Like that's my boy. Don't fucking touch him, because I'm deciding. You go through me. I love I love Artie when he stands up for him. Um, Hank when he comes in. Uh, Darlene says he wanted to see me, even though Darlene had just come in and said Hank wanted to see Larry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like such a petty. That's like... the opposite of a power move. That's like a bitch move. <laughs> uh, the executive saying Hank's level or his saturation level is very high because he did a Green Giant commercial and his face wasn't even <laughs> on it. It was just his voice. <laughs> he's wearing the green tights and he's like, I think he says at one point, that Green Giant is just a monkey on my back. I can't get it off. Uh, that was really good and there was one that more was uh, let's see everything she stands for that line yeah yeah everything she stands for is a really good one oh okay, yeah, like, yeah. I, <laughs> what are you thinking about America everything she stands for he's like how do you get through it dude what are you thinking about yeah that that was my I mean I that the hardest I laughed during this pilot was when Tambor said that. I like yeah. lost it. Yeah, that that's that's Hank describing how he can pitch a product that he doesn't like is he's imagining America and ev- everything she stands for, which is just so so incredibly amazing. All right, so let's do oh, one more funny note. So Darlene um Shanling and her were engaged at one point. This is from the AV club. And they had a bitter falling out that led to her leaving the show and suing the show for sexual harassment. Damn. Yeah, so they were engaged at one point, the blonde-haired Hank assistant, whose name is Linda Doucette. I don't, I don't, I don't just want to call her the blonde-haired Hank assistant. <laughs> I think that's well, a little rude. <laughs> damn, she got paid. She got paid, I'm sure. So, Love and Television, your wife, would she enjoy this show? And if anybody zero point zero percent chance she's into this. Wow. She is not meta. She is about she only watches TV to turn her brain off. She doesn't want to think. She doesn't want to be like you know. know. If people not to say she watches only dumb shit, but she would not enjoy sitting there with me watching this. She wants something a little more straightforward, which is not not bad. I think so. Me and Courtney watched this whole series. I don't know if she liked it a lot, but no, you know, <laughs> she sat there. I, I think she did like it. She really liked um, when there was like a good guest star or something like that. She hated Larry. She grew to really hate Larry uh, for good reasons. He turns out to be like, I mean, he he grows on you in one way and you're just, you despise him in another. She loves Artie. Mm-hmm. Um, she thinks Hank's an idiot. So, I mean, we watched the whole thing and she, I think she enjoyed huh. herself. Okay. So I do want to read a review real quick. This is the original Hollywood reported review. 
Uh, they said they'd better set up a separate category for HBO's The Larry Sanders Show when Emmy time comes around. This half-hour comedy, created by G- Gary Shandling and Dennis Klein, surristically, or <laughs> not surristically, <laughs> uh, surrealistically, it's, I believe they made that word up, parodying late-night network talk shows is an almost total winner. So it was it was loved upon that initial. Yeah, receipt. this was a this was a critical darling for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they also modeled Artie after a Johnny Carson bulldog, somebody that stood up for him. So that was kind of where he got that from. And uh, I don't think I think I'm fresh out of notes. I think I said everything. Let me posit this: okay. if Modern Vinyl ever needs a bulldog. You gotta oh, hire me. Whoa. So can you tell off network executives? We ain't gonna take no shit on record store day, dog. That's right. That's right. Well No, I'm, I'm out of notes, man. I have to say I did enjoy this quite a bit. I learned a lot about Gary Shandling as a dude leading up to watching this pilot and um R.I.P. Gary Shandling, great comedian. R.I.P. Man, a goat, a goat of his time. Like the dude was an advertising agent one day. Three years later, he's co-host. He's like guest hosting the Tonight Show. Um, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, so let's uh, wrap it up. We got two episodes left in this season. Our yeah. final, our final episode, as we've been hyping up, is going to be a our first ever Hall of Fame induction for a pilot and. No, we have not decided what we're going to do yet. We, we take, have not. We take this very, very seriously. So, F off. Uh, we, <laughs> we have like two iTunes reviews. So, if you review okay. us, if you're listening to this and you review us and you send us a screenshot, I'll send you something. It might be stickers or, you know, pins that were getting made up for modern vinyl. I'll send you something. So, cool. give us a review. Screenshot me and it has to be a good review <laughs> to tell you the truth i don't give a fuck do whatever you want yeah just just review it don't just be too harsh review us enough so we actually have a star rating um yeah that would be nice so yeah i'll send you stuff in the mail if you review us and Sounds uh fair yeah i think that's pretty fair that's me giving money out basically um, i'm <laughs> not gonna send you money uh so we're gonna leave you with a preview of next week and hopefully you guys will enjoy that episode. But of course, none of this is time sensitive. So go back, listen to all the other to all the other episodes. They're meant to be digested, as is any television season, over time. So a lot of people have been going back and listening to the previous episodes, which I appreciate. And I hope you guys keep doing that. There's a really good OC one. What's your favorite episode we've done that people can go revisit? OC man, it's classic. Really? Yeah, OC is OC was a really good one. We had a good guest that day as well, and we're gonna get more guests as well. That's gonna be a second season resolution. All right, so let's wrap it up. My name is Chris Grimes. Thank you for joining me. No, thank you, sir. It's an honor no, and a pleasure. Thank you. All right. No, man. Fuck you <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Next time on Pilot Study. A man fights and fights and then fights some more. Because surrender is death and death is for pussies. Power is a career that once showed so much promise. You can feel the sun going down on it right here. No, man. Come on, motherfucker. 
Well, fucking fastball. Okay. Two balls, no strikes. A runner at third, one out of the eighth. Mackworthy awaits. And there's a long fly ball, and it's way back there. The nail in the coffin of a career.